Good morning. My name is Rob, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Garmin Limited first quarter 2023 earnings conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, again, press the star one. Thank you. Terry Sack, Director of Investor Relations, you may begin your conference. Good morning. We would like to welcome you to Garmin Limited's first quarter 2023 earnings call. Please note that the earnings, press release, and related slides are available at Garmin's Investor Relations site on the Internet at www.garmin.com stock. An archive of the webcast and related transcript will also be available on our website. This earnings call includes projections and other forward-looking statements regarding Garmin Limited and its business. Any statements regarding our future financial position, revenues, segment growth rates, earnings, gross margins, operating margins, future dividends or share purchases, market shares, product introduction, future demand for our products and plans and objectives are forward-looking statements. The forward-looking events and circumstances discussed in this earnings call may or may not occur and actual results could differ materially as a result of risk factors affecting Garmin. Information concerning these risk factors is contained in our Form 10-K filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. This, in particular, there is significant uncertainty about the duration and impact of COVID-19 pandemic. This means that results could change at any time and any statement about the impact of COVID-19 on the company's business results and the outlook is a best estimate based on the information available as of today's date. Presenting on behalf of Garmin Limited this morning are Cliff Pemble, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Doug Besson, Chief Financial Officer and Treasurer. At this time, I would like to turn the call over to Cliff Pemble. Thank you, Terry, and good morning, everyone. As reported earlier today, consolidated first quarter revenue came in at $1.15 billion, which is down 2% from the prior year. Four of our five business segments posted double-digit revenue growth driven by new product introductions and solid demand trends, which mostly offset an expected decline in outdoor. Gross margin improved to 56.9%, driven primarily by lower freight costs. We generated $197 million in operating income, down 14% from the prior year, and operating margin came in at 17.2%. We feel positive about our first quarter results, which are consistent with the expectations we communicated in February. As such, we are maintaining the full-year guidance issued in February, calling for revenue of $5 billion and EPS of $5.15. It's important to remember that Q1 is typically the lowest seasonal quarter of our financial year, and much of the year lies ahead of us. Our diversified business model offers many different paths to achieve our goals, and we believe we are on track to do just that. Before turning the call over to Doug, I'll provide highlights by segment and a summary of what we see ahead. Starting with fitness, return to growth with revenue increasing 11% to $245 million, driven by strong demand for advanced wearables, especially running watches introduced during the past year. Gross and operating margins were 49% and 4% respectively, resulting in improved year-over-year operating income of $11 million. During the quarter, we launched the Forerunner 265 and Forerunner 965, 
which combine advanced training metrics, recovery insights, and everyday health stats with a vibrant sunlight-readable AMOLED display that does not sacrifice battery life. Moving to outdoor, revenue decreased 27% to $329 million, primarily due to year-over-year -year declines in the Adventure Watch category as we pass the one-year anniversary of the highly successful Phoenix 7, Epix, and Instinct 2 launch. Gross and operating margins were 62% and 23% respectively, resulting in operating income of $77 million. Our adventure watches are known for their rugged dependability, long battery life, and rich biosensing capabilities that enable their use in demanding applications. During the quarter, we announced that the Phoenix 7 will be worn on the upcoming Polaris Dawn spaceflight mission to provide insights into the impact of space travel on the human body. Also during the quarter, we launched new handheld devices with the introduction of the GPS MAP 67 series and eTrex SE. These versatile handhelds offer longer battery life, improved positional accuracy, and global communication via in-reach satellite technology. We recently announced the Drive 53 GPS Navigator featuring a high-resolution capacitive touchscreen display, a fresh new design, and built-in traffic options to simplify the drive. We also announced the Zumo XT2, a rugged motorcycle navigator that's built for adventure with a larger and brighter 6-inch sunlight-readable display. We expected the first quarter of the year to be challenging in comparison to the outstanding performance of the prior year. We believe these trends will moderate as we introduce new products throughout the remainder of the year. Looking next at the aviation segment, revenue increased 22% to $214 million with contributions from both OEM and aftermarket product categories. Gross and operating margins were strong at 72% and 27% respectively, resulting in operating income of $58 million. During the quarter, we announced additional certifications for our GSC autopilots, which expands our addressable market, bringing the performance and safety-enhancing benefits of our flight control technology to more aircraft models. We also recently attended the Embraer Suppliers Conference where we were named best supplier in, in the categories of systems as well as services and support for our G3000 flight deck in the Phenom 100EV and 300E aircraft. In addition, we were named the best of the best supplier to the entire Embraer organization. We also received an Operational Excellence Award from Airbus Helicopters. These prestigious awards are an affirmation of our reliable performance during the supply chain crisis and reflect our strong commitment to providing the best products and outstanding service to our customers. I'm very proud of what our aviation team has accomplished and believe there is much more we can achieve in this market. We are pleased with how our aviation segment has performed so far this year. The supply chain disruptions of the prior year appear to be mostly behind us, while demand for new aircraft and retrofit systems remains resilient. The marine segment delivered another quarter of impressive results with revenue increasing 10% to $279 million 
primarily due to the timing of spring promotions. Gross and operating margins were 54% and 26% respectively, resulting in operating income of $72 million. During the quarter, we expanded our strong lineup of chart plotters with the introduction of the EchoMap UHD2 series, which are preloaded with premium Garmin Navionics Plus cartography and offer wireless data sharing of live sonar and navigation information with other chart plotters on the boat. Also during the quarter, we were recognized as the leader in navigation and sonar categories by Best Marine Electronics and Technology, and for the fifth consecutive year, received a 2023 Top Product Award from Boating Industry Magazine. Moving finally to the auto OEM segment, revenue increased 11% to $81 million, primarily driven by increased shipments of domain controllers to BMW. Gross margin was 28%, and we recorded an operating loss of $20 million, driven by ongoing investments as new programs move into production. During the quarter, we began deliveries of domain controllers for the 2024 BMW X5 and X6 from our Olathe, Kansas facility, which represents an important milestone in expanding our manufacturing capability to serve world-class automakers. We also expanded our footprint in the two-wheel market with the launch of an infotainment system for additional models of Yamaha Sport touring motorcycles. That concludes my remarks. Next, Doug will walk you through additional details on our financial results. Doug? Thanks, Cliff. Good morning, everyone. I begin by reviewing our first quarter financial results, provide comments on the balance sheet, cash flow statement, and taxes. Post a revenue of $1 billion, $147 million for the first quarter, representing a 2% decrease year over year. Gross margin was 56.9%, a 40 basis point increase in the prior quarter. Increase was primarily due to lower freight costs. Operating expense percentage of sales 39.7%, 270 basis point increase. Operating income was $197 million, a 14% decrease. Operating margin was 17.2%, 230 basis point decrease. Our GAAP EPS was $1.05, and performing EPS was $1.02. Next, look at our first quarter revenue by segment and geography. In the first quarter, we achieved double-digit growth in four or five segments, led by the aviation segment, strong growth of 22%, followed by the fitness and auto OEM segments, 11% growth, and the marine segment, 10% growth. Outdoor segment declined 27%, primarily due to lower revenue from venture watches as they compare against the strong first quarter 2022 launches. <clears throat> Our geography, 7% growth in Americas was more than offset by 12% decline in APAC and a 10% decline in EMEA, both were negatively impacted by foreign exchange rates during the quarter. Looking next at operating expenses, first quarter operating expense increased by $22 million or 5%. Research and development increased approximately $12 million year-over-year, primarily due to engineering personnel costs. SGNA increased approximately $13 million during the prior quarter, primarily due to increases in personnel-related expenses 
information and technology costs. For advertising expense, decreased approximately $4 million, primarily due to lower co-op advertising. <clears throat> A few highlights on the balance sheet, cash flow statement, and taxes. We ended the quarter with cash and marketable securities approximately $2.7 billion. Account receivable increased year over year, but decreased sequentially to $611 million following the seasonally strong fourth quarter. Inventory increased year over year, but decreased sequentially to approximately $1.5 billion as we continue to work to optimize inventory levels. We anticipate 2023 ending inventory balance be relatively flat year over year. The expected declines in our consumer inventory are offset by expected increases associated with growth in our auto OEM business. In the first quarter of 2023, we generated free cash flow of $232 million, a $106 million increase in the prior quarter, primarily due to lower use of cash and purchases of inventory. Capital expenditures for the first quarter of 2023 were $47 million, approximately $13 million lower than the prior quarter. For the first quarter of 2023, we paid dividends of approximately $140 million. Also, we purchased $41 million of company stock and approximately $53 million remaining at quarter end the share purchase program, which is authorized through December 2023. For an effective tax rate of 8.8% compared to 10.3% prior quarter, decreasing the effective tax rate is primarily due to favorable income mix by tax jurisdiction. Conclude our formal remarks. Rob, can you please open the line for Q&A? At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. And your first question comes from the line of George Wang from Barclays. Your line is open. Uh, hey, hey, guys. Uh, just uh, um, maybe you can unpack if there's any change to the segment uh, guidance for this year. In the last quarter, you guys talk about the, the kind of uh, guidance revenue uh, by segment. Uh, for example, still expecting growth for the outdoor, kind of an you know, MSD growth for the industrial. Just curious if there's any update on that. Yeah, as we uh, mentioned, George, um, we're, we're not uh, uh, changing our, our guidance. We're reaffirming, reaffirming what we said in February. Um, the first quarter, as we mentioned, is the lowest seasonal quarter of our, our year, so there's a lot of the year left in front of us. So um, it's our practice to reevaluate um, more closer to the um, uh, the Q2 timeframe. Okay, thanks. And also, just quick follow up on outdoor. Um, you know, weaker than expected. Can you unpack kind of you know any sort of cyclical versus structural uh, from the the weakness in in the one Q, or is it just a function of a proper compare from a year ago? Uh, you know, and can you, any commentary on the channel inventory kind of cross? wearables and outdoor. Thanks. Yeah, I think it was very difficult to um, predict what uh, the outdoor performance would be because uh, our Q1 of 2022 was so amazingly strong with the um, incredible launch of the Phoenix 7, the Epics, and, and the Instinct. So it was a little hard to predict, but um, we feel like the, the general trend was in line with what we expected. Um, I think it's important to note that um, from a cyclical point of view, we're always introducing new products, and so we expect as the year goes on, uh, our performance will moderate and improve um, as those new products come out. And then in general, I would say from uh, the market standpoint and also the channel inventory, 
we don't see anything out there that's concerning. We have fantastic products that, that people want, and the inventory in the channel appears to be um, at the correct levels. Okay, thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Ben Bolin from Cleveland Research. Your line is open. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking the question. Um, Cliff, I wanted to – the first question for you. Could you share any thoughts you have about the auto OEM opportunity with BMW, um, how that – how you expect that to ramp through the course of the year, and then any thoughts you have on the gross margin and operating margin profile of the business as it gets larger? And then I have a, a follow-up. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, last uh, quarter, Ben, we, we kind of outlined that we expect a significant ramp over the next um, two to three years to um, the awarded business that we have uh, from BMW and others. Throughout this year, um, we, of course, expect that, that the ramp will accelerate um, into the back half um, as the new models are introduced and we begin deliveries um, from three different factory locations around the world to, uh, to uh, BMW's expanding model line that carries our products. In terms of the, uh, the gross margin, operating margin profile, we've mentioned before this is, this is more typical auto OEM structured business, so we would expect um, gross margins from the segment to gravitate towards the high uh, double uh, digits, um, uh, high, high teens um, rather, um, you know, 19, 20% operating margin and then um, or gross margin and then operating margin would be more in line with the um, mid to high single digits. Okay. <clears throat> um, the other question, you touched on inventory and outdoor. Uh, could you share any thoughts you have about channel inventory levels in some of the categories that have been maybe more lean, marine, aviation? Where do you think inventory levels are there? Um, and, and any thoughts on where that goes? And then uh, a second question around this, maybe a little bit. Have you seen any observations that you could share around smaller go-to-market partners and you know, how they're managing financing, um, either for working capital or their own operations? And that's it for me. Thanks. Yeah, I think uh, what we're seeing in marine and aviation is, is uh, as the supply chain issues have have abated. Uh, definitely um, inventories in the channel um, are getting better. We did struggle some in marine last year, um, uh, quite a bit in, in aviation, where we were able to uh, kind of manage the situation to make sure that we kept um, all of our partners uh, going. Things are certainly much better, and, and we see that inventories and, and a reflection of, of the past few orders are coming down to more healthy uh, levels. In terms of, of those smaller partners, we, we really don't see any um, concern on, on in terms of them um, and their financial situations or their working capital. Um, there's, there's always um, exceptions, but in general, it, it seems like uh, the partners we work with um, have uh, healthy businesses. Thanks, Clay. Your next question comes from a line of David McGregor from Longbow Research. Your line is open. Yes, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, maybe just to pick up on that auto OEM for starters, uh, when we spoke last quarter, you expected a flat first quarter and, and then a significant inflection upwards in the second quarter. Uh, first quarter up 11%, uh, a good number there. But 
are you seeing incremental business? Uh, has there been a revision in the production schedule? Is there something that would uh, drive that that uh, better than expected result? Or was this was, was excuse me was this primarily timing and pull forward? Yeah, David, I would I would probably say right now it's mostly timing as as uh, car makers ramp up um, their new model years, um, and we'll see some variation from from quarter to quarter as they adjust their plans. Um, they, they are navigating a, a very complex supply chain, so sometimes things uh, vary up and down, but we um, try to be flexible and, and uh, roll with what they, um, what they uh, need from us. Okay. Uh, if I could just ask about the marine business then, we talked about that briefly a moment ago, but um, I guess I'm just interested in what you're seeing in terms of order patterns early in the season. You mentioned that uh, inventory seemed to be in good balance. I'm just wondering about uh, retail sell-through and, and anything you're seeing there, and uh, then just replenishment orders that may be coming in and give you some perspective on what to expect in the next couple of quarters. Yeah, I think the the promotions and, and retail activity that we've had so far in 2023 have been very successful. Um, it shows that there's a lot of enthusiasm on the part of customers to um, obtain the latest technology. and. People are certainly excited by um, the promotions and the ability to, to obtain the products they want at, at uh, lower prices. Um, so, so we feel like um, that's going um, very well. In terms of, of other indicators in the market, I think there's some areas of the, of the OEM market that, that are starting to um, slow down a bit um, in terms of where they were at a very torrid pace that typically tends to be in the lower end boat ranges. Um, and inventories are, are starting to um, be more healthy, so people can actually buy some of those off of a lot now. But the uh, the mid to upper range of the market, um, where a lot of the boats are built to order, uh, there's still many back orders, um, as we understand it from our partners, and they're still uh, taking orders for those products. So we feel like there's still um, a lot of demand out there for especially the higher-end products. Okay, that's good color. Thank you for that. Uh, very strong new product introduction calendar here, so congratulations on the progress there. Uh, how would you characterize the willingness of retailers to support all that new product introduction with inventory? Do they seem a little more reticent at this point, or I noticed you pulled back on, you're seeing a pullback in cooperative advertising, so I guess I'm just looking to kind of reconcile a couple of these points. Yeah, I think the pullback in co-op advertising was, was not a change in strategy by anyone. It was really just a matter of the sales volume that was being pushed um, last year in our outdoor segment. So I, it's squarely you know, associated with the dynamics of that product launch from, from last year. But there's no change in the commitment of retailers in terms of carrying these products and, and uh, getting on board with um, the exciting launches that we have coming up. Okay. Last question for me is just on your direct-to-consumer business growth and what you're seeing there. We're um, still seeing strong um, results from our direct-to-consumer. Um, we're seeing growth in both online sales as well as um, subscriptions and services across uh, the business. So we're very excited about that, and we continue to um, look for ways to differentiate in that area. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks, David. Our next question comes from a line of Paul Chung from J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my question. So um, just on aviation, you know, very, you know, strong performance to kind of start the year. Um, 
I know there were some push-outs into 2Q from 1Q uh, of last year that helped the quarter year-on-year, year, but is this the right kind of quarterly run rate of revenues to kind of think about through the year? And can you expand on, you know, both industry trends, which look quite positive for business jets, you know, how pricing has evolved versus volume and kind of expanding wallet share per plan, and then I'll follow up. Yeah, I think in terms of um, our performance in Q1 um, as compared to the last year, last year was uh, somewhat uneven by quarter because of supply chain challenges that we had, so we would expect that to smooth out more this year. Um, you know, we've, we've offered our guidance on, on aviation, and we were able to certainly do well in first quarter. I would remind everyone that the second quarter of last year was was also uh, um, up and down uh, compared to the first quarter because of the, the supply chain issues. So we see that evening out, and, and right now we feel very comfortable with our guidance, and we'll update people um, after the end of Q2. In terms of the overall market, uh, what we're hearing from our partners um, is that um, again, orders are um, very strong, uh, tend to be at least even book to bill, sometimes even greater book uh, to bill. So there's a strong backlog out there and, and uh, still a lot of people looking to obtain either new or, or uh, uh, you know, recent model business jets, turboprops, and even, even uh, piston aircraft are in popular demand. So we continue to see good trends um, in that area. Okay, great. And then on fitness, um, you know, on the 965, what's been the customer feedback there? I know there's been some, you know, some extended wait periods for shipments. So I assume, you know, demand is holding up pretty well, or is there something else going on? Um, are you seeing, you know, new customers drive strength there or upgrades from, you know, existing users, given the kind of attractive AMOLED screen? And um, did you recognize any benefits for the product um, in product releases in 1Q? And then uh, on the operating margin side, you know, there's a big dip here, similar to last year. What is driving that? I know it's seasonally weaker, but typically has has been in that mid-teens to 20% in the past. So will this kind of be a recurring 1Q margin hit in fitness kind of moving forward? Thank you. Yeah, I, I think uh... – Paul, with regard to the, the 965 and 265 launches, what we've seen is that um, the 965 has been surprisingly popular at the top end of the range. So we see customers gravitating there, and the demand has been um, uh, a little bit stronger than what we had predicted, which, which means that we're uh, scrambling to catch up on some orders and things. But we're very um, delighted with that, and it and, uh, uh, seems to me that coming into Q1 that the running market has uh, been reinvigorated and, and we're excited to see uh, that and we have some great products to offer there. Um, in terms of user mix, I mean specifically on, on those kinds of products, um, we tend to see kind of a balance of, of uh, new users versus existing users, uh, but across our wearables, it, uh, the situation just varies depending on uh, whether it's more of a consumer product such as our venue series or more of the specialty products like Forerunner and um, Phoenix. Um, so in terms of Q1 benefit, we did see some benefit there on these new products, um, but, but certainly as we move into Q2, it should be stronger since we have um, a full quarter of those products available. 
And in terms of the uh, the profitability, um, the operating profit specifically in fitness, it is um, under pressure uh, for a few reasons. Um, year over year, we we are carrying still some uh, excess capacity on, on the tax side of things, which is impacting our results as we work through the normalization of that market. And we did have some obsolescence that we took um, in the segment associated with with um, um, some raw materials in, in the tax area, uh, which impacted our results. But our targets for the, the segment are more of the mid-teens operating profit. Very helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Ivan Feinseth from Tigress Financial Partners. Your line is open. Hi, thank you for taking my questions, and congratulations on the great cadence of new product launches and the launch of the Phoenix into space. Thanks, Ivan. And uh, so on automotive OEM, where could we start to see some of the functionality that is contributed by Garmin in, into various vehicles? So as we mentioned, um, we, we started shipments for 2024 models of the of the X5 and the X6, so I guess maybe you have to, in, in uh, the States, you might have to wait to, to see some of those vehicles. We're delivering in, in Europe uh, to additional models there and, and uh, also in, in China. Okay, then on uh, in a lot of the products you're launching, they're more and more coming with like a, a subscription component, like the Plain Sync has a subscription component. Um, do you, where do you see going with that? And also, as far as like the, the your robust Connect app that has a lot of functionality to your outdoor and watch products, do you envision at some point creating two tiers, like a paid level above the free level? Yeah, I think uh, Ivan, we are uh, strategically focused on. Uh, creating some recurring revenue across our product lines where we can offer uh, additional value to our customers uh, for content or services that go along uh, with our products. So um, PlainSync and the GVL60 is one example of that. Um, in terms of, of Connect, as you know, everyone knows, that's, that's a longstanding um, app and relationship we have with millions of customers that use that every day. Um, as we go forward, we're certainly um, examining ways that that we can uh, provide additional value to those customers, as well as revenue opportunities for Garmin. Uh, but we're um, uh, very uh, careful about how we do that because we want to make sure that that uh, we don't take any anything away from our users, and we only provide additional value that that they um, would be delighted with. So we're looking at that, but um, it will take some time, I think, before we um, arrive at the final answer. And then one last question on the Connect IQ app platform. What are your thoughts on creating a standardized payment process? Because you know there are a lot of great apps that are for free, but there are a lot of good apps that have a fee. But the fee is usually, you know, direct to the um, provider rather than let's say a standardized process of just paying Garmin and let's say then you pay the provider. Yeah, yeah. I think um, um, Connect IQ um, certainly has a lot more opportunity to to build on what is there with monetization and payment capability. Um, we do have mobile payments on our devices, and um, we certainly are looking at ways that we can extend that into a broader payment platform uh, on our wearables, uh, but we do have some work to do in order to put all the pieces together there. All right, thank you, and congratulations on a great start to the year. Thanks, Ivan. 
Your next question comes from the line of Eric Woodring from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for uh, for taking my question. Um, maybe if we just start on fitness, um, re- realizing you're not updating guidance, but you got into the year down 5%. You started the year up 10%, and the comps are pretty easy throughout the year. So I, I guess I just want to make sure, is, th- is there anything that we are, – are there any kind of like – speed bumps that we should think of for the rest of the year that would uh, suggest performance is really going to deteriorate through the year, or is this just, you know, kind of like you said at the top of the call, Cliff, uh, a bit of a wait-and-see approach? Yeah, Eric, I would say that um, going into 2023, it was very difficult to predict um, what would be the ongoing effect, especially of the indoor trainer market, which was one of the biggest impacts that that we had in fitness um, last year. Um, so um, it's going to take some time, obviously, as we move into 2023 to see what the demand trends are. We're really pleased with what's happened so far, definitely ahead of our expectations, and we certainly don't anticipate that, that things will go uh, down from here, So, um, uh, but we uh, need to see more of the year come in before we can decide what we think um, the 2023 outcome will be. Okay, super helpful. And then... You know, similar to one of the earlier questions on on fitness, but this time on outdoor. Obviously, tough comparison the first quarter, but um, we saw some pretty significant operating margin deleverage there. I believe operating margins were down um, to an all-time outdoor low. And so, can you help us understand what some of those significant margin headwinds are? What is kind of temporary versus permanent? And if a return to kind of like that 30% range is how we should think about normalized operating margins or if that's changed and why? Yeah, I think um, a few thoughts there. Certainly with the the major change in the product mix within the segment compared to last year, um, that impacted our our, uh, leverage and, and of course, the sales coming down um, as well. So, so that's one factor. I mean, uh, this is a very happy problem because uh, the segment is very strong, you know, in the upper 20% um, kind of operating margin. So we would see that improve as we um, uh, have more new products that get introduced um, later in the year. Okay, perfect. And then um, I guess the, the, the last question, just on the, on the auto OEM business, um, appreciate all the color that you've provided for us there. One thing I wanted to try to square away was, you know, gross margins falling from where they are today to call it the high teens, but operating margins increasing from where they are today to, I think you said, implies like a ton of operating leverage in the business. And so maybe help us gain comfort in, in why you can see OPEX, you know, almost cut more than in half over a span of 12 months, why there's such significant leverage business in such a short period of time. And that's it for me. Thank you so much. Well, I think it, it really relates to the scale as the volumes increase. So um, we're, we're looking for the revenues and the, and the gross profits to contribute to offset the expenses that are there. Um, so um, that's our plan based on uh, the, uh, the committed business that we have. Super. Thanks so much for the color, guys. All right. Thank you. And again, if you would like to ask a question, it's star one in your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Noah Zaskin from KeyBank. Your line is open. Hi. Thanks for taking my question. You, you know, I, I think this is kind of um, maybe been touched on a bit, but in terms of outdoor declining 27%, 
in the first quarter. Understand seasonality is a component of that. Um, but as we think about the, the new products launched during the quarter, like how are you thinking about those new products and, and, and kind of the, the cadence of just new launches moving through the year um, and, and the kind of ability to, to lap the anniversary of the Phoenix 7? Thanks. Yeah, no, I think we'll have a, a very strong um, first half of the year um, with new product introductions. Um, and uh, and then we'll be in a good position in the back half to be able to um, work with uh, promotions and um, holiday seasons uh, with these products. Thank you. And then just in general, um, in terms of the cadence of the different segments in the in the second quarter, um, just any color there as, as we as we uh, start to model out. Thank you. I think we'll be heavily weighted in in the front half of the year in terms of introductions in, in outdoor. Got it. And and fitness as well? Uh, there There is probably more, uh, I would say, balanced um, kind of product introduction uh, calendar for fitness across uh, the year. So we'll, we had some uh, obviously in Q1 and we'll have some uh, throughout the remainder of the year, um, Some um, some really exciting products, I think. Thank you. Thank you. And we have a follow-up question from the line of David McGregor from Longbow Research. Your line is open. Uh, hi. Thanks for taking the follow-up. I, I just wanted to come back to the comment about lower freight costs. And, and you attributed the 40 basis points of gross margin improvement to freight. That's, you know, roughly 4 or $5 million by my math, if I've got that correct. Uh, is, is that how we should think about the benefit in 2Q and going forward until the anniversary is out, or, or does that uh, savings actually become a more significant number in 2Q and, and going forward? Yeah, as it relates to uh, the freight costs uh, being lower, it's really two things that are driving that. Uh, first of which is um, we're optimizing some of our shipping methods where we're actually shipping a larger percentage of our products ocean versus air. And then secondly is a year over year, there is just a lower uh, freight rates. Uh, now, as it relates to the uh, freight expense as a percentage of sales, we expect, we expect that to, you know, kind of continue, you know, uh, the rest of the year. Now, what you have to think about is the comparability, you know, of the different quarters as we did see, you know, some of those uh, freight rates uh, improve during the year when you think about on a year-to-year basis. But uh, freight rates are, are a thing that, uh, you know, in the first quarter we did see um, a kind of a benefit on. Okay. And just a follow-up, I guess, uh, talk about Europe and, and Asia-Pac and just what you're seeing there in terms of consumer behavior, consumer order patterns. Any color you can provide there would be helpful. Thank you very much. I think um, Europe, uh, we've said before, um, has tended to be a little more impacted by some of the geopolitical and macroeconomic issues that have been going on. But that, that said, if you even um, uh, look at it um, on a constant currency basis, it's it's not not bad, and and uh, I think certainly Europe is more impacted by um, the year-over-year dynamics of the Phoenix Epix launch from last year than than other areas. Um, I think Asia um, is is uh, generally um, as we expect. I think currency impacts are a factor there, and and of course um, uh, also the the year-over-year product introduction cycles. Okay, thank you very much. 
Thank you. And there are no further questions at this time. Ms. Terry Seck, I turn the call back over to you for some final closing remarks. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Um, as typical, Doug and I are available for callbacks throughout the day. Have a great one. Bye. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.